If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you don't want to get burned, stay away from the fire. The same wisdom applies when it comes to temptation. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at the dangers of flirting with temptation and shares the Bible's instruction for escaping the grasp of things that entice you. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, How Can I Overcome Temptation? Well, the Bible tells you you can, and 1 Corinthians 10.13 is a promise, not a suggestion or an idea. It is a promise. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted beyond that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That is the truth. And we'll talk about it a little bit more today as we conclude our message on how can I overcome temptation? This is just one of the 10 questions we're talking about during the month of May. And uh, we would love to send you the book that contains all of this information, every chapter with every word I've spoken and more that we couldn't get in because of time. And then every chapter has a little study section at the end of it for you to fill in the blank, for you to do some thoughts and write them down a couple of pages of questions to discuss. We've actually bound the study guide into the book at the end of each chapter. So this is kind of a a special treat for the month of May, one book with everything in it, and we'd love for you to have it. All you have to do is send a gift to Turning Point, and uh, you just send the best gift you can, whatever size it is, and ask for the book, and we'll send it to you is our way of saying thank you for investing in the worldwide ministry of Turning Point. Now today we um, pick up where we left off yesterday as we discuss the subject of temptation. So let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, open our hearts and receive the teaching from the Lord. What the Word of God says is that in every temptation there will always be a way of escape. When you see it, when you sense it, you better take it. He doesn't say there's two ways of escape. He says there is one way. Now, let's translate that into the kind of temptations we face as men and women, as followers of Christ. While it is a very encouraging promise to know that God has made a way of escape for us, we must not take it for granted. In most situations, the way of escape will be a fleeting moment, a fleeting thought. In the midst of the temptation, you will hear the Spirit of God or your conscience say, this is wrong, don't do this. The way of escape may only last for a moment, and if it is not taken, it will be too late. I've talked to hundreds of people about this subject, and almost every time I hear this story, Dr. Jeremiah, there was a moment when I really knew this was wrong. 
and I almost walked away from it, but I didn't. And now look what's happened. The Bible says that every time we are tempted, God always has that pathway out of the canyon. But don't pass it. You may not ever find another one. When the way comes, take the way out. I read a story about the war that took place in Bosnia in the late 1990s that was made famous by the escape of Scott O'Grady. The downed American flyer evaded capture for days in enemy territory until rescue helicopters found him. And when the helicopters landed in the clearing near where O'Grady was hiding, he did not relax in the brush and wait for the pilot to come and get him. He shook off his fatigue, fought through the bushes, drew his weapon out, and with every ounce of energy he had, he ran to the escape that had been provided for him. His actions parallel the engagement God requires of us in spiritual warfare. We should not assume that because God promises to provide a way out of temptation that we have no role in our own rescue. God provides the way, but we have to take the way. And so when you're in the midst of temptation, and I'm not going to describe any particular temptation today because it runs the gamut of everything you and I face from one day to the next. There will always be a moment in that temptation where God has provided for you a way out. It is not that the way is not provided. It is the fact that we do not take that way when it is provided. Instead of the freedom we desire from temptation, we find ourselves locked in the canyon with no way out. So in 1 Corinthians 10.13, we learn these three things, that you're not alone in your temptation. It's a common experience. Temptation will never be too much. God will never allow that to happen. And he will always provide a way for you to be victorious over it if you will look for it. Now, having said those things, I want to kind of finish this up with some practical principles that come not only from 1 Corinthians but from other places in the Bible. I want to give you as much ammunition to be victorious over temptation as I can pack into the few moments that I have in front of you today. So here goes. Here's some things to write down in your notes. Recognize how temptation works. Recognize the possibility of it. Some of you say, well, I don't deal with temptation all that much and nothing like that bothers me. Well, you're a very unusual person and the Bible says it's just a matter of time because everybody is tempted. Let me tell you how it often works. It's interesting to note in 1 Corinthians 10 that the verse that comes right before verse 13 is verse 12. And listen to what verse 12 says. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, Right before the verse on temptation, we are given a principle, and that principle is be careful of an arrogant attitude about your own invulnerability. The Bible says when you think you stand, then you're the most vulnerable. And you know, the Bible also gives us some illustrations of people who were at a pinnacle of success and in that moment fell into temptation. David had subdued all of the enemies around his kingdom and uh, his army was out cleaning up some of the things that needed to be cleaned up he stayed home in the zenith of his accomplishment is now the ruler of that world 
David allowed his defenses to go down and he fell into temptation with Bathsheba and you know the rest of the story. Over and over again, both in the biblical stories that I have read and in the stories of others outside the Bible, I have found that we are most prone to temptation not when we're at our lowest moment, but we're at our highest moment. The Bible says that if you think you stand, be careful that you don't fall. Proverbs 16, 18 puts it this way, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride is Satan's number one sin. Pride will get you in trouble about as much as anything that you allow into your life. Don't start reading your own press coverages. Don't start thinking you're something special. Don't listen too much to the good things people say about you. Thank God for them and keep on moving because he's going to send somebody tomorrow to tell you how bad you are. (laughs) Keep even. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Accept the fact of your humanity. Thank God for the blessings he's brought into your life. But don't get to thinking about yourself that you're something special because as soon as you get up on that mountain, you're about to tumble And that is the record of the Word of God, and that is the history of mankind. Number two, did you know that you should pray about temptation before it ever happens? Request help in advance of temptation. I found two scriptures in the New Testament that tell us that you should pray about temptation before it ever happens. First one's in the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever read that? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We should pray every day about temptation in a devotional time. Lord, today I'm going to face something that the enemy's going to throw in my way to try to get me off course. Please help me to be sensitive to it and to see it coming and to be victorious over it. And then in Matthew, we're told to watch and pray that you what? Enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we can all say an amen to that. So... Pray about this in your devotional time. The reason many of us fail in battle is because we wait for the crisis to get spiritually involved. And let me just say one other thing about this, and I've told young people this ever since I was a youth pastor back in my first days out of seminary. This might sound a little bit crude to you, but it gets the point across. The place to decide what you believe about premarital sex is not in the steamy backseat of a car. You better have that conviction in your heart long before you get yourself into any situation where compromise is a possibility. Decide what you believe about the important things of life before the crisis comes. Pray about temptation before it ever happens. Ask God to give you victory over the temptation you don't even know what it is yet. And that's what the scripture says. Recognize the possibility of it. Request help in advance of it. And here's one I love. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you remember how Jesus resisted the devil? He quoted scripture to him. On three occasions, Satan tried to get Jesus to yield to the temptation. Jesus was tempted, but he wasn't sinful because he never yielded. How did he resist Satan? With his holy book. I was amazed when I read that because you know where he got his verses to deal with Satan? From the book of Deuteronomy, for Pete's sake. 
He quoted Deuteronomy three times, and the Bible says when he got done, Satan left him. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But notice, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Bible doesn't say that this is a passive thing we're dealing with. We're to be actively involved in dealing with temptation. And then notice number four. Retreat from certain kinds of temptation. What does that mean? That means that the Lord Jesus has, through the Holy Spirit, given us some instruction in his book about certain kinds of temptation. Let me just tell you, there are three things in the Bible that we are told to run away from. One of them is immorality. The other is greed. And the other one is idolatry. Never try to fight idolatry, immorality, or greed. Get as far away from it as you can. You say, why is that? Because those sins particularly seem to have an incredible power over humans, especially if you do it in your own strength to stand up against it. If you don't run from it, you will be victimized by it. Don't say, well, that's cowardly. I'm going to stand and fight. Well, I'm telling you what the Word of God says. Don't mess with those three sins. Get as far away from I told young people years ago, the best way to fight immorality is the finest pair of Adidas you can buy. <laughs> you say, is that true? Yes. Let me tell you, that happened to Joseph, did it not? Joseph, in the Old Testament, was a handsome man who worked for the most powerful person in the world, Pharaoh, and he was the subject of a guy named Potiphar. And the Bible tells us that Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph, and she wanted him. And she always was tempting him, seducing him, propositioning him, we would say in our world today. And the 39th chapter of the book of Genesis tells us that one day, when all the servants had been dismissed, she dismissed all the servants from the house, and she knew Joseph would be making his rounds and would come to the house. With everybody gone, she enticed him, and she said, lie with me. The Bible says, Joseph said, how could I do that? Your husband has put everything into my hands. How could I sin against him and do this great wickedness against God? And she continued, and she grabbed hold of him, and the Bible says he ran out of the house, leaving his coat in her hand. He ran out of his coat to get away from the temptation. Now, it was unfortunate that she kept the coat because she used it against him, and he was wrongly accused, as you know. But what a wonderful picture of how to deal with the temptation of immorality. Get away from it. Run from it. Remove it far from you. Don't say, I am tempted by this gal that I work with at work, but I have to be with her all day. You're not going to make it. You're going to lose. I read this story about a young staff member in a church who was finding it very difficult to deal with the flirtations of a woman who was in his congregation. So on one occasion, he found himself in the awkward position of having to be present in a ladies' meeting where this woman would be seated next to him. Since he did not know what to do, he went to his senior pastor and asked him what to do. He said, Pastor, there will be many people at this event. Don't you think there is safety in numbers? 
Well, yes, the pastor said, there is some safety in numbers, but there's way more safety in Exodus. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And then the Bible tells us that you should remove any means of sin far from you. Proverbs 4.14 says, Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Romans 13.14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Men and women, instead of setting ourselves up for failure, we should get rid of the things in our lives that cause us to be defeated. One of my favorite stories that I've told you, I think, once before is about a young man who was trying to get rid of his addiction to donuts. He was overweight, and he knew that he needed to lose weight, and he could just scarf down donuts like crazy, five, six, seven at a time. So he finally got away from the donut shop, got away from donuts, and he lost some weight, and he was doing really great. One day he showed up at work, and he had a donut, and his buddy said to him, what's going on, man? I thought you gave that up. He said, well, I woke up this morning, and I had a real temptation for a donut. So I prayed to the Lord, and I said to the Lord, if the parking place right in front of the donut shop is open, when I drive by, I'll know it's all right for me to have a donut. And he said, sure enough, the 11th time around the block, there it was. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we all get that, don't we? You say, well, why was he tempted? Well, first of all, don't drive by the donut shop. Or don't drive by the porn shop. Or don't go where temptation will find you. Use a little common sense and protect yourself against the things that you find yourself vulnerable to. When you get a TV hookup in your house, you can ask for parental guidance and get controls on the television. If you have cable television, I would say probably a third or maybe a half of it isn't worth looking at. Shut those channels off. You don't want your kids going through the house and turning the TV on and seeing some of the rotten stuff that they think is okay for us to have as part of our fair. Get all the controls you can. Shut it off. Get it away from you. Don't even allow yourself the opportunity to run across it. Do everything you can to put sin away from you. There's so much more I'd like to say. But let me just cut right to the end of all of this and tell you that you need to refocus your life. What I've learned is this, is that a temptation must be overcome by a passion greater than the temptation itself. Somebody says to me, well, Pastor Jeremiah, you don't understand. This temptation is so great, I cannot overcome it. In his book, The Obedience Option, David Haig illustrates what he calls overwhelming faith. He was talking to a young man who claimed that he couldn't stop his pattern of sleeping with different women. The young man knew it was wrong, but he said that his sexual lust was inevitable. Therefore, it wasn't his fault. God had made him with such strong desires and urges. Haig interrupted the young man and he said, Suppose that I came into your room and caught you and your girlfriend as you were just starting this inevitable process. And suppose I took out 10 $100 bills and I told you that they were yours if you stopped. What would you do? The young man said he'd rather have the cash. So what happened to the irresistible force 
of your lust. Then Haig concluded with these words. He said, we both realized a very simple truth. One passion may seem irresistible until a greater passion comes along. If we take this principle into the arena of righteous living, it comes out like this. The only way to overcome a passion for sin is with an overwhelming passion for righteousness. This overwhelming passion for righteousness is actually a mindset that the Bible calls faith. Here is a helpful definition of this kind of overwhelming faith. Faith is a life-dominating conviction that all God has for me through obedience is better by far than anything Satan can offer me through selfishness and sin. So keep your faith on what God promises you, what he has for you. Someone has said it's the dog principle. If you've ever trained a dog to obey, you will know this scene. A bit of meat or bread is placed on the floor near the dog and the master says no, which the dog knows means that he must not touch it. The dog will usually take his eyes off of the food because the temptation to disobey would be too great and instead he will fix his eyes on the master's face. That's the lesson of the dog. Always look to the master's face. May I say to you, especially the men I know who perhaps face this kind of temptation that's been in the background of this message, not only should you keep the face of your heavenly master in front of you, keep the face of your bride in front of you, keep the pictures of your children and your grandchildren in front of you, and ask yourself, really, is it worth ruining everything in my life for a moment of pleasure when in doing it I will deny the master who I love, my friends and my family who look to me for an example. The Bible says we don't have to be victimized by temptation. Almighty God in this book, and I'm just giving you the highlights of it, he's given us so much truth to help us be victorious. And the Bible says we have not because we ask not. Perhaps it's better said, we have not because we do not. God wants us to be victorious. And I know in your heart you want to be victorious. And maybe today I've said something that will help you deal with some particular issue in your life. I pray to God that I have. Here's the final bottom line truth. Be not hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Don't just come and say, yeah, Dr. Jeremiah made sense. He said some good stuff. But I said something that was particularly for you and you don't do it. I can't make you do anything. I can just tell you this is God's holy book given to us for holiness and righteousness. And if we follow it, we will find joy in obedience. If we disregard it, we're headed back into the cavern of temptation and sin. Well, friends, this is not the only passage in the Bible that tells you how to deal with temptation. Um, There is information about this in several of the New Testament epistles. You can find it uh, just by doing a little search. But temptation is not something we should give in to. It's not something we should assume we will always uh, fail in, in meeting. 
because the Bible expects us to be victorious and gives us the pathway to do it. If you haven't already done so, I hope you will take time today to send a gift to Turning Point to help us with this ministry of teaching the Word of God around the world. Uh, And when you send your gift, just ask for a copy of this book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking. We'd love to send it to you as our way of saying thank you for your part in making this ministry possible in so many places. Uh, Your gift is tax deductible, and uh, the book will be on its way to you before you know it. Hey, before we say our final goodbye, I'd like to do a little shout out to our friends in Canada. Uh, I just read an article today that said uh, that Canada is the number one nation in the world. It's the most sought after, the most voted for nation in the world. And I thought that was pretty cool because we have a lot of friends in Canada. I don't like being number six as the United States, but I'm proud of Canada for being number one. And you know what's so cool about Canada? We now are able to speak to our Canadian friends every day on television, on the Miracle Channel, on Daystar, on Faith TV, and on Joy TV. And all of you who are joining us on television every day in Canada, we salute you. We thank you. We know you're Bible lovers, you're God lovers, you're great people, and we're blessed to have a ministry in your lives. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. How has your life been impacted by this ministry? Let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta BC V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, and learn to live with greater confidence. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices, or search in your app store for the keywords, Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here on Turning Point. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. The American historian and philosopher Will Durant, along with his wife Ariel, wrote an exhaustive 11-volume history of civilization. In his sunset years, he made this observation. Sixty years ago, I knew everything. Now, I know nothing. Education is a progressive discovery of our own ignorance. 
That reminds me of the Apostle Paul's experience. As a young Pharisee, he thought he knew everything. But when he met Christ, he realized he knew little of what was truly important. And he made knowing Christ his lifelong goal. God is an infinite subject, and those who truly know Him readily admit how much more they have to learn. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God for a lifetime on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.